With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, is this Madame Richmond? Hi, Mark. Yes, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Tired. <laughs> no, I just finished my workout. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you hear me okay? I can. How about you? Oh, great. Now, TalkShoe has this new thing where as soon as we uh, dial in, it starts recording us. So we are actually now live. <laughs> and okay, as, so I I mentioned, as I mentioned, TalkShoe is live and recorded and after we uh, finish our little chat it'll take about 15 minutes to upload and then I'll share it on my social media uh, presence and uh, all the good stuff there and you can do the same so Mark pronounce your last name for me Cochran Cochran I thought so so we are going to get started because TalkShoe has already started us. <laughs> so welcome <laughs> to the Stroke Diva Fabulous radio show. I am your host, Kamaria Richmond, and this evening we are talking to Mr. Mark Cochran, and I'm excited to have him on. He is the director and a coach at Greyhound Cycling. And before you and I had this conversation about cycling and how good it is for you, but before we uh, start with that, kind of tell us your background and then how you got into cycling. Well, many, many years ago, in California, I actually started cycling. This was back in the 1990s. As something to do quickly between lunch breaks at work, when I couldn't go on long runs. But from there, I actually started riding, racing with the, at the time, there was gendarme team in Southern California. And I kind of got the bug from having a nothing 25-pound bike to going down to a 25 and then a 20-pound bike and challenging myself. And did you find, was it just stress relief or... It's part of a healthy, uh, holistic body, uh, you know, something that gets you together holistically. So the mind, heart, body, spirit, and soul with the cycling. What was it? Well, or for me, it was not stressed at all. <laughs> <laughs> in, being in Southern California, I rode on the beaches through the mountains. So, no, it was not stress. I get out of work and just go relax. Started out with six miles, but then my relaxation ended up over 120 miles, or maybe twice a week to every time I can get out if that was five to seven days a week. 
That is, and I know you're excited about it, but you, your slogan is, uh, let's see, embody is meant to be used, enjoyed, and to last a lifetime. So tell us about yes. that. Yes, after I actually got into cycling and seeing other former athletes, just regular people that were involved in sports or athletics, but after a certain age, they just gave up on them and said they were too old. So I tried getting some into cycling because it is a low-impact sport, meaning it's much easier on their body than, say, playing basketball, racquetball, football. And you can actually cycle all of your life as long as there's nothing permanently wrong with your balance issues or anything. So that's what actually got me into starting a club. And it was first working with the younger kids who all you do is get on a bike, they see you out riding, you're surrounded by them. But I actually thought that was enjoyable, that it took some of the mystique away from it. They thought someone racing in a biking outfit, you couldn't approach them. So I wanted to knock down that barrier first, that we're unapproachable. It's something completely different. It's not. But in... I'll say later years, <laughs> meeting a lot of senior citizens who, again, stopped playing physical sports but still wanted an outlet. I started training some of them. And again, it was enjoyable. It's not to race. It's not to see how many miles you can go in a day, but just getting out for some good quality exercise without the fear of being hurt and just socializing together. And how did, like, so for, for young people and for our seniors, what do you tell them? So what is it that uh, says, okay, um, Mark, I'm going to trust you and uh, help me cycle on my way. How do you, do you have to coax, coax them or you just kind of share your, your life's journey or your experiences about just wanting to be healthy? Oh, uh, no, actually, I find out, one, why they want to ride. And it's usually I saw it on TV. I see people riding on the streets. And from there, getting rid of the fear. And my method was and is, it's usually at a park with some grass. I teach them how to fall off of a bike. Because for the young and old, that's a big fear. I'm going to fall. I'm going to get hurt. And it's really easy once you learn just to let go of the bike. It's a machine, it's a toy. If it breaks, it breaks, you can repair it. And I tell them, if you break, we may not be able to repair you, that we don't want. So learning how to fall gets rid of a lot of fear for the young and old. Once that's done, then they start riding and relax. It's not a race. You're not competing against anyone other than yourself. So we're going to have fun today. But once they're comfortable on a bike, we ride. As I said, it's not timed in the beginning. Whenever someone feels like turning around, all of us turn around as a group. And it is, you know, what what kind of makes me nervous about cycling is because you don't have on the whole gear, you know, the helmet and uh, the 
the right uh, clothing. I mean, you see people and they have on all their like gear and I'm going, oh my God, that is someone that's really into it. But I'm not going to get into those little, those little pants. <laughs> Uh, the little pants you don't have to get into. <laughs> when I coach, try and look I professional. <laughs> I do require everyone wear the helmet, though. Uh-huh. That's just a safety issue. I mean, you don't want right. to fall from even two feet off the ground to injure yourself. So the helmet is a necessity. And you don't have to be going fast. You're just getting on a bike and you topple over. You can hit your head. So. Mm-hmm. No, but the clothes and the bike kits, not necessary. You can you can ride in Levi's if you want. They're heavy, but you can ride in them. I know it's so intimidating. <laughs> Riding or being seen? <laughs> uh, both. <laughs> <laughs> now, when did you get into the racing part of it? Racing, maybe. I will say eight years ago, seriously racing. Prior to that, it's racing locally in my neighborhood, like I said, along the beach and such. But after being a domestic, which is basically a workhorse in the pro racing circles, I started training with them. And being an egotist, I said, I can race with these guys. So I decided to train with them and actually try and up my game and stay with them. I was dropped, which means you can't keep up with the pack. I first arrived, and in Southern California, we have a hill, Mount Baldy. I fell the first six times just getting up it. Oh, my goodness. And that was my incentive. Yes, it was too steep, or I was too weak. So my incentive was first just get up the hill. I don't care if it's my last. And going back down, then we'll see. And I got into racing because I had good coaches, and they taught me a lot about handling a bike, training for a race rather than just riding for pleasure. And it is addicting. So if you're thinking about riding, getting a helmet, getting the clothes, it could consume a vast amount of your time. But that's a good thing because it does keep you healthy. Interesting, interesting. And as an entrepreneur, was this on your radar? I'm going to start this business. I'm going to become a coach? No, not at the beginning. Okay. I also coached track and field for USA Track and Field. And I noticed that we, as a people, were underexposed to sports other than the basics. I'll say basketball, football, track, and baseball. Right. But there are a lot of other avenues out there to offer ways to assist in getting through life. Cycling was one of them. But unless someone tells you or you see someone who looks like you, you may not get involved. Oh, absolutely. That spurred me into learning more about the sport. Right. And learning more about the coaching. And after I did... I wanted to introduce it primarily to children because they saw me at races and mom and dad, he's racing, how come I can't? And I just right. told them, it's, it's nothing secretive. You have a bike, let's go ride. 
And but because... I brought up an interesting point. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, we have many colleges out here. When I moved to the East Coast in 2015, and Division One, we have 41. Division Two, we have 26. But there are very few to none of us attending colleges on cycling scholarships. You don't have to be 200 pounds. You don't have to be seven foot, as in some other sports. As I said, if you can sit on a bike and ride, you have the grades. It's a good way to have either much of or your entire college paid for. You get a good education. You're exposed to a lot. You get to travel. And that's what I tell parents. If a lot of them are saying, well, my son or daughter is too small for football. Okay, don't play football. Can they ride a bike? Well, yes, but they're not fast. But if they qualify, they can get through school. But before that point, so I said I'd like to introduce it to the younger kids. Get them thinking about how can I get through life? How can I get through school? What can I possibly do to get paid but still have fun and enjoy it? And that led me into starting Greyhound Cycling, developing it, and making me conscious of when I'm out racing, Win or lose, you know, I can't be upset. I can't have a long face. <laughs> There's still an audience out there watching, so you take it in stride, you smile, you congratulate the winners, and keep going. And something you said that is so key, because our children are really just kind of synced into believing that it's just football and basketball that will, you know, take you along the way and those are great sports and you know kids get a great a great uh, education doing that but to do something like you're saying if your, your physique is not that of one of, of that kind of athlete then to try cycling and if you're if you're doing something different than others you do kind of stand out and so I'm thinking when someone is watching you race uh, they're going, okay, this kid, they'd be great for my university. They get, you know, full scholarship, and this is something different. And do you think if they see, uh, like, an African-American child, that that makes a difference? Instead of just yes, not does. saying, Even I the, need to, like, I need to make... The comments that I have spoken to... Uh -huh. Usually when I talk to them about cycling, they want to direct me toward the track is built. Well, is he fast or is she fast? Can they jump? Mm -hmm. uh, I imagine they could, but I met them during cycling, and they can ride a bike. Mm. And without exaggerating, I have been told that I'm not sure they would fit into the area here in cycling. So my quest is to take as many as I can to local events, introduce them to cycling, and basically have the colleges look at them. Because if you're doing well and you go somewhere else to compete against these schools, they'll take notice. Right. Because as right. it stands right now, and I'm talking about basically African-Americans, we go overseas to compete and learn the craft. 
and then you come back to the United States. And I ask why, if you're that good, why can't you compete at home in front of your family, in front of your friends? Right. But we are not courted by USA Cycling like others, which led me to say, well, if I can develop enough, and I'm not the only one out there. There are other coaches, instructors who feel the same. We will basically force the cycling world to face what's coming. Now, fortunately, unfortunately, I've talked to much older cyclists, retired pros, who they say they see it coming, but since they're not competing now, they understand this and they, they're not against it. It's the younger set who wants to put it off for as long as they can. And it's happened in other sports, so it's not the first time. Right, and it, it, will, definitely, uh, it will definitely come around. And, and you were talking about this before, it is, something wonderful about learning something new and being exposed to different people. And especially if you have the opportunity to go overseas or for some kids, they've never left their neighborhood. So just to go to another state, it's a whole new yeah. opportunity. Yes. And personally right now, I'm still training for the Senior Olympics in June. But cycling has also afforded me to travel, to meet people. I have made some very good friends who initially thought, why are you here? <laughs> and can you actually ride that bike? Afterwards, they're a lot more forgiving, I will say, and accepting. Because, you know, I hurt, I sweat like them. <laughs> they say, yeah. you win, you lose, you crash, you don't. And they, oh, you're, you're actually a cyclist. And I laugh and say, and you thought I would do what? I'm on a bike, right. I'm riding with you. <laughs> so from our side, too, it, it takes time to be patient and understanding. Right, as, as with anything. And now, why uh, did you call your company Greyhound Cycling? I didn't want to take it after anything in other sports that they've already done. And as I said, I'm from Southern California. It was not going to be Lakers anything, LA Dodgers anything. <laughs> I chose an animal with four legs as opposed to a person because it also helped me open doors. When other companies and other divisions see Greyhound cycling, they don't even ask, is it an African-American group? is an American group. They just see greyhound cycling. They're more interested, is this dogs or people? Right. So over the phone or the internet, at least I get that first door open because they want to know what we're about. Now, when I show up with the team, they've already given us an invitation. We're there. They can't really justify saying, well, you can't race because I'm going to F well, why not? You accepted the greyhound. And someone told me, we didn't know you were like you are. <laughs> and my reply was usually, you mean racers or bike riders? And I can be stupid at times. I, I want them to tell me why they can't race. Exactly. And nobody has. I mean, just go ahead, line up, 
your name to the earth light. So with that, I do request my team always be conscious. Everyone is watching us. Everyone right. is going to rate how we act as everybody acts as a race. So like I say, win or lose, if someone bumps you, you take it in stride and you're polite. As racers, you're here to race. If there's an argument or a debate, that's my department. You race and you keep the straight face. And that is, as a coach, you are definitely teaching. And it's it's so interesting that uh, it's, it's like with the book. They always say, don't put your face on the front cover because Yes. You want someone to notice the work before they actually notice you. And I would think uh, with racing, because you may be different, that uh, someone may want to, you know, kind of nudge you uh, to the left or the right. Yes. And that, without being political, I, my racers and myself, that's not the arena that we get involved with that. If you want to mm -hmm. talk after a race, after competition, we can. But during the competition, no, we don't discuss as anything else. Politics, religion, and race. Mm -hmm. just, it keeps it civil, if not friendly, I will say. Right, right. But there's just... a lot of curiosities. After races, that's where you get to break down those barriers. Because even mostly spectators, they tell me, your team is very polite. I didn't expect it. And I ask, well, why not? Exactly. Why I've not? I've never not or seen anyone like you up close. And I said, well, I've seen a lot of people, so people like <laughs> me, people like us, you'd have to narrow it down what you mean. Some laugh, right. some get kind of nervous, but at least it opens a door for us to have a dialogue. And that's about what I want out of the racing. For the younger set. The older ones, the mature racers, have been through enough and they understand. But the younger ones, we'd really like them to understand that one activity does not make a life, one activity does not make generations and how you should be viewed. So for better a race, you are our sports people. They're going to rate us by what they see you do and what they hear you say. But Absolutely. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I just said that's not a bad thing always because without it, we wouldn't get these opportunities for others to see us as people. Absolutely, absolutely. And opening up that dialogue, you know, you, you, once you can really look at someone and talk to someone, you know, those barriers are just broken. But I also wanted to talk about, because you are the uh, coordinator for the uh, Boys Read Program at the, uh, or through the 100 Black Men of Prince George's County. And that's how we actually met was, was uh, at the uh, holiday event, and you just, oh, really gave it to me about rice about racing. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, okay, so all of you listening, I did not. 
But you were good. I'm, I'm like, I'm still thinking about it. I'm still thinking about it. But uh, tell us uh, what you do exactly uh, when it comes to um, reading with the boys. Do you find, um, because you're reaching out to whether they are, um, no matter where they are or where they're from in life, their station in life, what are you finding now with our boys? I know, or at least I've heard or read that if you don't really catch a young black male by like the age of, I think, eight, he really starts to kind of fall behind uh, more so than his white counterparts. So kind of tell us about how you're, you're doing this reading with the boys and just a little bit about the organization. Yes, well, and I've read some of the studies that it's closer to five and six years of age wow. that they have to be reached. Wow. And for them, when we're together, I explain not only to them, but to their parents, reading opens up worlds to you. Yes. Because if you're, if you're a shy student, if you're quiet, once you learn how to read and you can read silently, you can paint whatever picture you wish in that book. It doesn't have to read with what someone else read, what someone else explains to you what the book is about. It's all yours. You own it. And as far as our mentees, they have surprised me because they've read books that, in <laughs> poetry, I didn't expect so many answers. So they are thinking. So if I can break these barriers down to they do the same thing in class and show their teachers that they are thinking individuals, there's nothing wrong with them, that goes far. Right. Right. It's so and I know this wasn't a uh, 100 black men request, but for me, that was a godsend because even with coaching, I couldn't figure out how to reach as many with the school programs. Parents bring the kids in. Or if it's reading, if it's STEM, if it's just general having a male there to talk to them. So I have an ongoing flow of young black males coming in and females now. So that gives us an opportunity through the 100 to hopefully steer them in that direction where they're asking more of themselves, and then they'll ask more of life. And that's so key. I love that you just said that, asking more of themselves and asking more uh, out of life, because that reading does open you up to a whole new world. And uh, for those that kind of have to um, suffer through it, it's it's really heartbreaking because we know we have, especially we were talking about athletes earlier, a lot of them really, you know, they're reading, they may be, you know, in the 12th grade, but maybe reading at like a fifth grade level. And uh, you can't just, you know, not everybody is going to be, you know, the next LeBron James or Magic Johnson. Yeah. So, you know what, think about becoming a writer. Yes. Well, and I try poetry. 
we brought poetry books into the mentee and did not give them any other instructions other than what did that poem mean to you? And the conversations that started and the responses we got back let us know that these are thinking individuals. That schools say, well, they're not old enough to understand poetry. It's why not? It's, you interpret it how it feels to you. And we selected Paul Lawrence Dunbar as their first book. Interesting. But from there, we're going to continue. So, and I'm not degrading the schools, but they have to ask more of our boys and girls also. Expect more of them, just like others. Absolutely. And not just put them in these categories where they say, well, they're passing to the next grade level, so that's good enough. Right, and it's the expectation, you know, not only for for the child, but the parent and the school. And, uh, you know, these schools, you know, really do want to pigeonhole you uh, because they don't see a lot of kids just think differently. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, necessarily the grade, but some kids just learn differently and they can be brilliant, but maybe yeah. uh, not the same as another child. And that's why I said the 100 was a godsend for me personally, mm -hmm. because in a controlled atmosphere, we let our mentees know that this is your safe zone. We may laugh with you, we will not laugh at you but you're open to make mistakes here. You're open to question whatever you wish. And that helps them take off the blinders, take off the handcuffs, and ask the questions that they don't ask in school. And that's if some of them stutter, some of them just have issues that the school may not have recognized. Some have needed glasses and such, but if you sit them back and you're just quiet, nobody knows. Right. So at least with us, when they open up, and I'm not an optometrist, at least I can direct them to someone who can help them with that issue. And I understand and the schools have, you know, 35, 40 children in each class. Right. They may not give the attention we can get as the 100. So for me, it's fun. It's, it's not a chore. <laughs> I don't mind mentoring them. It's, it's a lot of fun. And to see them open up after a time, I can do this. Well, we know. We told you this. Right. But, but right. I think I could. Yes, you can. Absolutely. And it's all about, um, like you said, that safe zone. And once you you have that and you start feeling confident, then you do really go out and, and make a difference. And because what these boys are going to do as they get older, then they're going to want to reach back and say, you know yes. what? I was you when I was 12. And uh, yes. look at me now and let me help you. And which the boys read program, I thought <laughs> at the time when I started it was very basic. But mm -hmm. it's not because a lot of the students in it have now opened up to STEM, have now opened up to banking, where they have the confidence from reading, 
they're advancing in other areas that even their schools are surprised because they didn't, they didn't think they can handle those challenges. So a confidence of reading, speaking in front of someone, getting your point across, carries far. Yes. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Mark, it has been a joy having you on the Stroke Diva Fabulous Radio Show. And uh, let everyone know how they can reach you as it uh, pertains to Greyhound Cycling. And if there is someone that's looking uh, to be your mentor or a mentee in um, the 100 of Prince George's County, let them know that as well. Yes. Uh, if you don't have the address, I can give it out of mind. The Greyhound Racing, that's G-R-E-Y. H-D-R-A-C-I-N-G at gmail.com. I would be happy to answer any of their questions that I could. If I could not, I would direct them to someone who could give them an answer. Okay. Do you have a website for the Greyhound Racing? Yes, and that's Greyhound Cycling at USA.gov. And everything almost to cycling has to go through USA Cycling. Okay. But if they wish to go there, they can look up my club ID and get all the information that they wanted. Ask questions. You don't even have to sign. You can just ask the question, and we will reply. So it's not, I'm a male black, I'm a male female that has a question. You just put your question in. Okay. Okay. And for the 100? The easiest way, instead of writing to all of us, they can send that to me, and that would be M-A. C-O-C-H-R-A-N-E at, and it's the number 100, PrinceGeorges.org. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Mark. And any last words for, for us to kind of say, okay, it's time for you to go racing? <laughs> <laughs> Supposedly spring is here. Well, it's not, but <laughs> yes, but, but on its way. We go out, and it's not racing. It's we have fun rides. Like I said, if right. they want to get in touch with me, if they want to get in touch with the one hundred, there are many races. There are many tours through the D.C. area, through the Maryland area. They're opening up new trails as we speak. And they're not just me. There are many of us who would be happy to go out with you. If you're new to cycling, you don't want to go out alone, we'd be happy to go with you. And we have rides from three miles into as far as you want to go. If some of you, speaking to you personally, wish to do a century, we will do that, a 100-mile ride. 
Amazing. Amazing. So I want to thank uh, our listeners that have tuned in this evening. TalkShoe is live and recorded and definitely reach out to uh, Mark Cochran. I am going to be an advocate now for everyone getting healthy and racing. <laughs> but uh, stay tuned and uh, tune in next Thursday at 7.30 p.m. for another episode of the Stroke Diva Fabulous Radio Show. Thank you. Very much appreciated. Uh, hold on one second, Mark. Okay, I have stopped our recording. Great. Well, thank you. That was wonderful. Lots of great information. Well, whenever you are ready, because I have to train, as I said, between now and June, you'd be welcome if you wish me to In June, I might be ready by June. I might be ready by then. <laughs> How are you going to get ready if you don't go out? <laughs> <laughs> right. And I know people will be laughing because talk show is still recording us, but I, I have to get ready. I have to get ready. And I have to tell our <laughs> listeners, get, get, get ready. But thank you so much for doing the show. And uh, we will definitely connect soon. And enjoy. Yeah. So enjoy the rest of your evening. Well, you too. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Okay, bye-bye. Take care. Thank you. You do the same. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.